Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. What a great day. God is faithful. Truth wins. Jesus is Lord, and he is returning. Let's go to him immediately. Father, thank you for another day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad in it. We pray for strength for the day. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for daily bread, and thank you for wisdom, which we ask uh, you for regularly. And we just ask God that you would uh, just give us discernment, not only when it comes to church issues, but in our culture, Lord, help us to know how to love our neighbor, but not compromise. Help us to speak the truth of the gospel and your word um, without apology, and help us to be salt and light as Jesus called us to be. We praise you that we are here for such a time as this, and I know that you are sovereign over all things, and we trust you, Lord, and we lift up this day to you. In Jesus' name, amen. First, uh, I have in my hand my brand new book. I just got my shipment yesterday. This is the first time yesterday I held it. I was looking online uh, last week and seeing some people who were actually, you know, commenting on it. I'm going, I didn't want to let them know I don't even have my personal copy yet. So the shipment arrived yesterday. So it's good to have it in hand. Uh, If you're in the Green Bay area, it will be at Lighthouse Christian Store, Lighthouse Bookstore. You can call first. Um... And, of course, it's online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and others. And I want to update you on Travis. Uh, Travis, our producer here at Stand Up For The Truth and Q90FM, a miraculous turn of events. And I just want to share with you, he's basically he's out of the hospital, if you haven't heard. He is now at his mom and dad's house. I just want to share what Travis's mom, Melissa, wrote real quick on the Caring Bridge page for Travis. Uh, He is recovering from, first, the pancreatitis itself. Modern medicine has yet to come up with a prescription or solution for pancreatitis. It's possible for a person to walk around and live a normal life not knowing they have pancreatitis. Then there's the other end of the spectrum, the type that hit Travis like a freight train and um, it brings you to the gates of death. And sadly, not everyone who has pancreatitis hit this way survives. Travis is beyond blessed and highly favored by God and um, she goes on, and it's an extensive update. If you want to go to the CaringBridge site, we should probably uh, share that post on our Facebook page. But he lost 75 pounds in 21 days. As you know, he was in a medically induced coma for two weeks. So he's got to go through that, trying to connect those two lost weeks where his brain's got to understand and come to terms with the history that has gone by. In two weeks, he wasn't here. So he was here physically, right? So anyway, pray for his mom, Melissa, as she is now his caretaker. But he's gets up, and he's up and around, and he's starting to get uh, back online little by little, and he's doing baby steps. But God pulled a miracle off as far as all of us are concerned and got him out of ICU. He didn't need surgery, out of the hospital, and, and now just living with his mom and dad. So pray for Travis. Now, we can't wait to talk to Elijah Abraham our guest, uh, back with us today. And uh, brother, thank you so much for your patience at the beginning of the podcast here, but great to have you back. 
Oh, good morning. It's always a pleasure to be with you, and we'll definitely be praying for Travis. Yes, thank you, Elijah. Now, we want to get an update on your health and what's been going on recently. It's been a couple months since we've talked, so could you please uh, share with the Stand Up For The Truth listeners uh, how we can be praying for you and what your uh, progress is? Well, I appreciate you asking. Um, You know, as you know, we live in a fallen world, and this body will fail us sooner or later. And we are looking forward to the new glorified body. Amen. Until then, uh, the Lord give us uh, grace every day. Um, as you know, la- last year I had three surgeries, one of which a major one, where I had uh, two discs and my neck replaced. Mm. And that went well. Uh, praise the Lord for that. Uh, now I have to pay attention to my lower back. Uh, so we are working with that. I did a procedure last week. Uh, it's kind of more or less uh, last-ditch uh, effort before uh, a major surgery, which is uh, to have a fusion. So we're praying that uh, that procedure that I did last week will last a few years. Kind of basically what I've been doing, kicking the can down the road <laughs> every, every time I have this issue. Um, uh, dealing with uh, you know some headaches lately, uh, last uh, three months every day, wake up with a headache. So I'm going to be uh, talking to some uh, specialists to find out uh, what's going on. My wife always, you know, keep harassing me that I need to have my head examined. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, so, so anyway, but, you know, with all of that, God gives me grace every day. I praise him every day. Um, and uh, I'm still active uh, ministering to people here locally, uh, nationally, as well as internationally, even though I have been grounded due to COVID. Hmm. And what I mean grounded, you know, no international flying. Um, actually, as we speak, I'm supposed to be in Eastern Europe, to five countries, Eastern Europe, um, and uh, got canceled. Not because I wanted to cancel it, but mm-hmm. the airlines, uh, the European nations keeps going back uh, and forth between uh, lockdown, unlock, lockdown, open. So I I just gave up. I said, you know what, let's wait until everybody's on the same page. So that's where we are. But I'm doing doing well. Thank you for for asking. Praise the Lord. You're very welcome. And Elijah, we're going to do something a little different today because we've had you on. uh, When did you first come on the podcast, Stand Up For The Truth? Was it was it eight years ago? Was it longer? Do you I remember? believe I believe two thousand nine. Wow! Uh, so really? I've been, yeah, I've been um, uh, a senior with you guys. So wow! So you're a veteran. <laughs> All right. So here's I guess so. <laughs> and uh, of course, if, for listeners that don't know, you, you live in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, yep. Since we have a whole n- new. Um, uh, I don't know. Don't want to say group of listeners, but uh, we have a lot of newer listeners since uh, you first joined us, and even in the last uh, year, year and a half, a, a lot of new people. I mean, people checking in from Canada, even um, oh, the Lord. Colorado, Pennsylvania, California, thirty-four different states in the country, and we since about a year ago. <laughs> we we brought some troublemakers on. Of course, you know a lot of them. Oh no, uh, Paul Blair, uh, Dan Fisher, uh, Steve oh, Smotherman, yes. uh, Rick Scarborough. A lot of these guys. Uh, the issue quickly became religious freedom last year. Yes. that was one of the main issues. And so a lot of these guys came on, and we just got a whole new following that joined us our podcast and started sharing. So they don't know your story. And here's what I want to get to. 
uh, you're a pro at condensing your testimony now, but a lot of our listeners don't know that you grew up in Iraq and right. and you were a Muslim. And right. I would love for you to share. Uh, first of all, it's hard for us to understand that and be in a different culture and understand how dangerous it is to convert to Christianity. So I'm just going to let you go, Elijah, and just share the uh, relevant points with people that haven't heard your testimony. Well, I appreciate you asking, uh, and praise the Lord for the new listens mm-hmm. and Amen. Um, Amen. Uh, it, it just uh, really it's a sense of awakening. People are seeking truth and they cannot find it. Uh, definitely can't find it in liberal media who are left-leaning communist media. Um, even some uh, Christian outlets, uh, they really don't dig deeper into uh, the truth and what's happening uh, socially, economically, politically, and definitely uh, spiritually. And then you have to kind of sip through uh, what are they telling us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I praise the Lord for your new Nislas where they have found you because mm-hmm. I know from my association with your program, uh, oh, oh my goodness, uh, 10 years now, almost 10 years. Yeah. A little bit over 10 years. Uh, yeah, over 10 years. Uh, it's just... Uh, I appreciate your uh, program platform uh, where it gives opportunity for individuals like myself who are in the front line to really uh, educate God's people and anybody who is uh, listening to this uh, program. Um, and uh, so I want to thank you for this opportunity. Um, back to what God has done in my life, uh, a lot of people trying to put individuals like myself uh, who came from Muslim background or Buddhist background or Hindu background, uh, really trying to elevate us and put us on a platform that our testimony is more powerful than anyone else. And that's not true. Uh, and the reason for that uh, is because it's really not my story. It's mm. God's story. Amen. He's the one who did all the work. Mm. He's the one who called me out of darkness of Islam into the light of Christ. So I have the opportunity to share my testimony and, and God's story uh, all over the world. And I have been in 45 countries. And the Lord has uh, really blessed my life uh, and through what He's done in my life and to bless others. And I pray for those who are listening will be blessed what God has done in my life. Mm. I grew up, like you said, in Iraq and Baghdad under the dictatorship of Saddam Hussein. And this dictatorship is really kind of interesting. He took the... Uh, what the communist Stalin did, uh, socialism uh, ideology, and integrated what Hitler did and put it all together and made it his own. So it became a very hardcore police state. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the policies that I'm seeing here in the United States and the war culture and uh, the division, all of that, it's really, it's, uh, it's deja vu for me. I've seen it all. I lived under it. And I am uh, very much vocal against it uh, because I don't want that for my kids. I definitely don't want that for this nation. Hmm. Um, and um, individuals like myself who escaped tyranny come to this wonderful nation who is now my home. It's my country. And to see it going that direction, I escaped that. I don't want that to follow me. So I'll do whatever I can to expose it. And Saddam, he made sure. No one will have an opinion. No one will have any competition for what he wants uh, the country of Iraq uh, should be. It's all about him. It's all about his regime. Uh, and uh, no uh, freedom of religion, definitely. He tolerated Christians. 
but basically evangelicalism, uh, evangelicalism was uh, almost non-existent. I never heard of evangelical uh, Christianity, not until I came to America, hmm. to be honest with you. And that's decade, a few decades later. So, uh, but Christianity in Iraq, uh, just like the rest of uh, Middle East and some Muslim countries, it's Catholicism or Greek Orthodox or Eastern Orthodox. That's the visible church. That's what we felt. That's what Christianity is about, which is a, a misunderstanding of what true uh, faith in Christ is all about. Because if you talk to a Muslim, that's why in evangelism, when I teach Christians how to reach Muslims for Christ, don't just settle and say, I'm a Christian. You need to go on yes. and explain what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Christ? Amen. And that's something that a Muslim never heard. Because to a Muslim mindset, Christianity is Mary, uh, the cross, uh, uh, a statue on a cross, a lot of uh, idolatry, basically, uh, saint worship and all of that. Um, so that was what I grew up with. And not just I grew up with that mindset, but I grew up in a culture and a family where we hated anyone you know, other than Muslims. Uh, so definitely we hated mm. the, the enemy number one, the Jews and, uh, in Israel, but we did not like Christians either. Why? Because in Islam, Christianity is a polytheist. Uh, they are idolaters. They worship three gods, which is the Trinity in this case. So um, we look down at them. And that's how I grew up. Mm. And I really had no choice. I was basically, uh, I was a product of my environment. And uh, that's it. And so in Islam, um, you know, death is very, very tragic mm. event in any family when some, someone dies because they don't know with the fate of their loved one what happened after death. So we were always scared of death, mm. always scared of uh, afterlife. So we do everything we can to appease Allah. Wow. And that's how I grew up. It's all by works. So, so e Elijah, it, it, if I can just ask, yes. is it because there's no assurance of salvation Absolutely. in Islam? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, in Islam, you ask any Muslim. Of course, if they tell you, yes, they know for sure going to paradise, they are lying to you. Hmm. In Islam, no one knows their faith. Even the best Muslim, supposedly best Muslim, is let's say the best practicing Muslim, if you ask him, if you die today, are you sure you're going to go to paradise? By the way, paradise and heaven, two different places. Mm, and you've heard yes. my presentations, and uh, I get into that a little bit deeper. But paradise, where that's where supposedly Muslims will go to uh, in the opposite of hell. So you ask it, the best Muslim practicing Muslim in the world, are you going to go to paradise? If you die, he'll say, Allah wills, inshallah, Allah wills. I don't know. It's all up to Allah. Wow. So there is no assurance of salvation. And that's really, uh, that's where when Muslims do all of these good works, uh, trying to have more good points on the day of judgment, it will outweigh the bad points. So the more good you do, uh, it will help you get closer to paradise. Um, so, but it's still no assurance. And that's why I'm always encouraged when the Lord bring a Muslim in my path and we have a discussion because I'm offering them something they never heard. I'm offering them something that Jesus did for free to them. Wow. They don't have to earn it. They can't, even if they try. Uh, the good works is filled to God. It's all his work. So it's all by 
by faith, by, we say by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, mm -hmm. not by our works. Amen. So that is such a foreign concept to yes. a Muslim. Right. And, and the problem is with Christians here in America, um, they're so shying away from telling the simple truth to Muslims or non-Muslims, really to anyone. And the reason for that, because majority of Christians that I come across, not all, uh, they are unsure what the Bible teaches about salvation. Yeah, they have that simple idea that, I, okay, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to die and go to, to heaven. But ask them, why are you Christian? They really don't know how to articulate that. Tell me about biblical doctrine of salvation or heaven or something. They don't know. So that means we have a lot of illiterate uh, Christians where because of that, they don't know how to witness. And they look at witnessing is all about them because I don't want to be rejected. Mm. So I grew up in that kind of mindset where there is no hope. And I, you know, like every, every, every other Muslim, I did the works and I was a youngster. So I was more into, okay, having the latest fashion and the latest music and so on until war came about in the early 80s, 1980, where Saddam enlisted all of the uh, men, um, whether you like it or not, you're in, in the, in the army. And as a uh, teenager, uh, after school, we go and do training and, uh, because he had different plans for students to go to the front line. And, uh, and he came up with a law. He said, no one can leave the country without a stamp in his passport. And you talk about God's, uh, you know, plan. Um, and I was the only one out of 10 children to get out of the country because the Lord has provided that stamp. Um, and without even me paying anybody, whether other people, uh, other fathers were willing to pay five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars per son per stamp and cost me nothing. And that's only God's plan. I'm trying to really condense this. Um, it's okay. But, but the Lord has taken me, delivered me out of Iraq and literally out of, of the jaws of Saddam's um, henchmen. And I lived in, uh, in Europe for about six, seven years, went to school. And during that time, uh, at the end of my tenure in, uh, in school, uh, I started having trouble with the Iraqi embassy, got beaten up, spies trying to find where I'm at. So I came to America. And in America, um, and that's when I start having a spiritual crisis. And mm. I thought, well, there is these things happening to me because I have not been a good Muslim. I have not been practicing Muslim because that's what a good Muslim does. You practice all the five pillars of Islam. And I did. I grew a beard, started reading the Quran, trying to do everything I can to appease Allah, to, for Allah to help me in my new home, new country, America. And I did not get any response. Allah did not answer my prayers. And that's when I start questioning, is the path of Islam is the way or is there another way? Because I know God exists, the creator. How can I get to him? How do I know? Hmm. Um, because I know Allah of Islam, is there any other way to Allah? But after a lot of search, checking other religions, and the Lord led me to a local church. <laughs> and you know what really ministered to me the most? What? Is the love of people and how they greeted me and how they welcomed me. And that just blew my mind. Wow. And that's when I stopped paying attention to, you know, what is this Christianity about? I've heard about Christianity from an Islamic point of view, but what, what other Christians say about who they are and what they believe? And in that uh, event, and I started listening uh, to the sermon, I started watching people pray and watching people 
sing. And I said, man, they are talking to someone. I never heard how they talk to God the way I grew up with. Mm-hmm. It's a personal way talking to him, which is blasphemy for you to Muslim to say, Allah, you know, I could talk to um, Allah as a child of him or son. Uh, like we say, we are children of God. That's blasphemy because Allah does not have sons. And that's blasphemy. Mm. Uh, for Allah to die on the cross, how dare you? So all of these things, all these struggles I was struggling with. And you know what? God really opened my heart and my mind to these truths. But I approach Christianity like a typical Muslim. I approached it by works. So I said, okay, Jesus did that for me. Let me do for Jesus. Hmm. So next thing I know, I walked forward, prayed the magic prayer, got baptized, and I was in, basically, <laughs> like typical Christians, right? Okay, Elijah, so the next six, seven years, we, yes. have, we have to take our first break. That's a perfect place right there. Pre prayed the magic prayer. We need to yeah. talk about that when we come back because that's what a lot, I don't know if a lot of pastors or churches are still doing. You say a special prayer and you're good to go. And what happens with the depth of the, the doctrine of the gospel of, of holiness, of repentance. Anyway, we've got so much more with Elijah Abraham coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest, Elijah Abraham, former Muslim, grew up in Iraq. Uh, he's with us today to go back and share some of the details of his testimony that you probably haven't heard, or it's been a while since he shared with us. Now, Elijah, I want to go back to when you first came to the United States, and you didn't trust Muslims, so you didn't look to go to a mosque. Uh, you ended up in Oklahoma, and I'd love to hear that story. But how yeah. long were you in the States and, and when, when you, before you started pursuing other religions to try to find the truth? Yeah, I would say about a year, a year and a half. Um, and the thing is, I was trying to really uh, have Allah talk to me or help me in a personal way. And I did not know that, that I was basically trying to seek God in a personal way, which is that's what the Christian doctrine really tells us in the biblical doctrine. But I was praying five times a day, reading the Quran at home um, and just begging Allah to help me in this new country with a new life. And I could not hear anything. So I thought, okay, there's something wrong here. Maybe Islam is not the way. And that's one of the wonderful things about uh, being inquisitive. And that's something I always challenge Christians. Always ask questions in your evangelism. Always be inquisitive about the person you're ministering to or trying to share the gospel with. Don't assume anything. So uh, I asked myself the question, well, I know God exists. I did not come from monkeys. So therefore, uh, God exists. So how can I know this God of of creation? I tried Islam for a year, year and a half. It's not working. So what is it? Uh, So I sat down with a piece of paper and I wrote all different religions. Uh, You know, Judaism, Christianity, New Age, Buddhism, Hinduism, all of the isms out there. And and I thought, look, if I'm going to try all these religions go through a process of elimination. If I can't find him here, I'll go to the next. But if I can't find God to help me in my dilemma here, then it's between me and him because I never lost faith of there is a creator. I did not come from nothing. So I did not buy into the evolution stuff uh, or the atheism doctrine. So, um, and that's really what happened. Mm -hmm. And finally, the Lord led me to a local church. And from there, 
um, God really uh, uh, opened my heart and my mind. But I approached it, like I said, uh, like a Muslim by works. Jesus did that for me. Let me do it for Jesus. And this is after I walked down the aisle, prayed the magic prayer, and everybody assumed, hey, he's in. You know, hallelujah, praise God, we got a convert from Islam as a member in our church. And I don't fault them for that. They're wonderful people. Don't misunderstand me. But they just did not understand my worldview. Hmm. Did not know my uh, doctrine that I grew up with. For them to help me in that transition into, okay, this is where you came from. This is your worldview. Now, this is what the Bible says. Are you in agreement with that? Do you accept that? And that did not happen. Discipleship, that did not happen either. They did not take me one-on-one or mentor me, which is a huge letdown, not just for me, but letdown to millions of uh, Christians or quote-unquote Christians in our churches in America uh, because they all talk about evangelism that's reached the loss, but they drop the ball in making that new baby to grow in the faith. Uh, very few people really do that. Uh, very few churches I've seen uh, do that. And I've been in 30 states and uh, spoken cross-denominational uh, cross lines, uh, churches, um, but very few really uh, take discipleship and mentorship uh, at heart uh, They uh, to match a, a Paul and a Timothy together so that that new Timothy to grow and be productive uh, member of the heavenly kingdom. Mm. Wow. And, uh, back to that. But yes. It took me. It took me about six years, really, uh, until I met my wife in church, and that's when I first really start seeing a Christian, uh, really true born again believer, uh, on a daily basis. You know, when you're love, which I still am, uh, engaged, you you want to see your uh, your fiance almost every day, and and that's the first time I start seeing a believer. Uh, really, and that's why I'm talking about mentorship is so important because I've seen believers once a week on Sunday, and uh, that's that's all I saw. Uh, but this time, I'm seeing my my future bride, now my wife, on a daily basis, and that's where really I start questioning my my salvation. Am I really saved? Because it's so natural to her, but I'm working hard to earn my salvation uh, or to 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 have that peace, that contentment, that assurance. Why? And I start questioning. And that's when I really got scared. I said, am I really saved? Hmm. But then I said, I got I to take care of this. So I got the Bible. I got the Quran. I thought, I even questioned my, my, my approach. Am I really supposed to be in a church? Hmm. Am I supposed to be in Christianity? Maybe I was wrong about Islam. So I did a comparative study between uh, the Quran and the Bible. And I realized the Quran is not really true God, God's word. And I knew that the Bible is the true word of God. The only true word of God. And that's when I asked a simple prayer, Lord, from the word, that's a key, from the word, if I'm saved, assure me, but if I'm lost, convict me. Guess what? He convicted me. And that's when Satan, and which is interesting, you know, Satan tried to basically tell me or convince me, hey, uh, what would the people think? You are saved, you're just doing it the wrong way, stay where you are kind of thing. Uh, that should have been a red flag to me. But it took me another six, eight months until I finally surrendered my life to the Lord. And I basically uh, put my faith and trust. 
Now we're going to have to reconnect with Elijah. So we're going to pick it up where he said he put his faith and trust, and I know what he was going to say, the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll connect with him again, and I want to go back to something he said, I think right before we took that break. Yeah. I, I think I got disconnected. I'm okay. sorry. Yes, you, you were at the point where you put your faith and trust, and I think you were going to say, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, yes, I, uh, go ahead. I definitely did. Uh, and that's when the Lord really uh, ministered to my heart and, uh, and convicted me, and that only through him, he's the only one will save me, no one else, not my fiance, not my church, not my parents, not my works, only through him, only what he's done on the cross. And that's when I realized uh, that it's by faith. You see, that simple fact, simple teaching and doctrine, it's you are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, not by works. It is so important when we witness to people, when we share the gospel with people, when, when we have someone is really seeking. I have been in so many churches. I have seen so many people get saved because all that quote-unquote Christian life and membership in churches being based on works, or they think they could lose their salvation because they have to maintain their works. That is so wrong. And the reason is that we have not taught the simple doctrine of salvation. Mm, and amen. we better get this right, yes. because the souls of men and women in our hands, preachers, and we have to really make sure that it's uh, clear. Okay, so go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you what we picked up uh, this segment uh, after you said you prayed the magic prayer. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you, you, you were well-meaning when you did that. But for you personally, did you have an understanding of uh, repentance or the holiness of God, the wrath of God, of sin? Um, can you explain where you were at when—and people, the, our listeners pretty much know the magic prayer is basically you say whatever a, a person walks you through, uh, I accept Jesus into my heart, and you're good to go, without any— biblical substance from the truth of God's Word or any follow-up or discipleship, that person could really fall away easily if they were converted at all. So go ahead and explain right. that. Right. And, and again, um, I cannot really speak for everyone else. I'm, I'm explaining this from my experience yes. and from the people that I have encountered in our ministry, uh, their experience similar to mine, where there is no conviction, there is no repentance. There is no sorrow of their own uh, sin. Uh, and even the holiness of God it was really kind of misunderstood. So it was basically, it's a process we, I went through. So you want to become a Christian? Okay, you have to pray and say these words. And now you're Christian. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's get you baptized. So that's, I went through a process. And that's what you're supposed to be doing if you become a Christian. And I did not know. I mean, my goodness, I was a Muslim. What do I know? What, what did I know? I knew nothing about what salvation really means. Um, I oh, yeah. assumed that this is what Christians do, uh, which is that's why uh, when, I, when I speak at pastors' conferences, and I really try to hold my brothers, my brother, brothers who are fellow preachers, really uh, to account. I said, look, when you stand preaching the gospel, and you have individuals cut to the heart or feel something, whatever that something is, you better make sure this is genuine salvation mm. because they might go in the route that I went, go through years 
assume and then think in their Christians, but they have no joy, no peace, and God forbid they might end up in hell because of that false conversion. Mm-hmm. So we better get this right. Yes. And, uh, and it's not really that, uh, bur- that responsibility, not just some preachers. That responsibility falls on every born-again believer who wants to share the gospel with the lost. Mm. So when you said you kind of investigated um, other religions, how many things did you look into? I'm assuming uh, Buddhism. I'm, I'm assuming maybe the New Age, Christ consciousness. How many things did you look into, and how quick, well, quickly did you come to the conclusion that you know that you could basically do whatever you wanted to in some of these religions? Right. Yeah, I, I looked into Judaism, uh, but I saw so much similarities with Islam, not in doctrine, but on the works, works side of things. Yes. Uh, so I said, well, wait a minute. I'm leaving that. You want me to get back into this? No. And then I got in, uh, looked into a uh, new age. I said, well, you know what? This is too fruitcake kind of mindset. <laughs> <laughs> that, that does not help me. Um, you know, looked, I, I studied uh, Hinduism. I said, man, they have 360 million gods. How can I keep up with these, these gods? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it, it, you know, when you, I love what the scripture says. When you seek me with all your heart, you shall find me. And that's exactly what happened to me. Mm. I was seeking the true God. And he put that discontentment with every religion that I was seeking or investigating. Mm. Uh, and uh, the only thing I attribute that is the Holy Spirit is guiding me, trying to uh, get me into a local fellowship wow. uh, to hear the gospel. But even with that, which is a true, wonderful, godly people, wonderful church, they approached how they handled me really not the proper way because I spent six years thinking I was a Muslim, uh, uh, thinking I was a Christian. Uh, and I always trying to kind of make a joke out of this. I say, you know what, before, uh, I know what, it was a Baptist church at the time. I say, you know what, before I went to that Baptist church, I was a Muslim. If I died, I would have died, gone to hell. Wow. I went to that Baptist church for six years. I was a Baptist Muslim. Uh, <laughs> Can, if I died, I would have died gone to hell. So people say, what do you mean by Baptist Muslim? Yes, Can you yes. define that? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Baptist Muslim go to church every Sunday morning. He goes sometimes Sunday night if they still have Sunday night services. He will even attend Wednesday night. Oh, if they have visitation, he might show up on Monday night. Uh, he tithes like everybody else. He memorized one or two prayers and just in case, hey, Jack, would you please re- uh, lead us in prayer? Sure enough, he only reads verses in the Bible that kind of, uh, to him, it made sense. It's easy, simple. That's it. That's mm. a Baptist Muslim, but he's empty. He's trying everything he can. Every Sunday he comes to church, he's repenting of something. There is no assurance. There is no, no peace, no contentment. That's a Baptist Muslim. And that Baptist Muslim applied to every Christian listening to me or thinking he's a Christian, attending to a church, and feel the same emptiness every Sunday after he leaves. Wow. If you are that way, if you're listening to my voice, and if you are that person feeling every Sunday that I did not get anything out of the service, I'm still empty, I'm still dealing with my sin, I am still lost, I am still, I have no assurance, I'm, I'm always worried, this and that. My friend, you really need to ask yourself the question, Am I truly born again? Hmm. Am I saved? Did I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and Jesus alone? Not in my membership in a church, not in my baptism, not in my good works, not in my tithing, 
No, Christ and Christ alone. If you have not done this, uh, I would highly recommend getting the word of God, seek a godly man or godly woman, if you're a lady, and just ask them, can you go through the doctrine of salvation with me? Simple, pure, according to the scripture. That's it. Mm. And pray that God will give you peace about this because your eternal soul is at stake here. Amen. Because if you die going on false assumption, false sa salvation, you're going to be very surprised for eternity one minute after you die. Wow. Uh, we've got two minutes left, Elijah, and um, what about people? You said it had to be the Holy Spirit, even though you didn't have the Spirit of Christ in you yet, but but the Holy Spirit had to have led you and, and guided you at some Absolutely. point. Um, what about people who aren't looking, who aren't searching, um, who, who know there's something missing but have no clue what it is, and they're living their lives? They're trying to be a good person. So how do we connect with them and get this through the simplicity of the gospel? Well, the responsibility falls right squarely on our shoulder. We are the light of the world. They are in darkness. Mm. They have no idea what light is. They see us being the light walking around, but that light never come across in their life uh, or really in, intercept with their life or shed some light into their light, uh, dark life. So it really takes on our part to step out of our comfort zone, go by faith, because look, evangelism solely falls on the shoulders of God Almighty, period. We are just His instruments. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, unfortunately, we have made you know, evangelism, it's on me. I have to be eloquent enough. I have to have all the answers. I have to persuade that person, convince that person, twist his arm into the kingdom. None mm -hmm. of that was true. All I need to know is that God is in control. He's in charge. He died for mankind. The Holy Spirit will do the conviction and uh, conversion. I have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and God gave me a direct line to the throne of God through prayer. People ask me, what's your method of evangelism, especially Muslims? I say, I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and prayer, hmm. period. Does that mean I don't uh, study the Scripture? No, I need to be a student of Scripture until the day I die. I never stop studying the Scripture. So I think that's something we need to seek these people because a lot of people, the unbelievers right now, they are asking, finally asking the right questions. And we are, we are there. We do have the answers. Please, if you're listening to me, you know of an unbeliever, a lost uh, relative or friend or neighbor or anyone, get in their life, mm. ask the right questions and find out, hey, and the best question to ask is, hey, what do you think about what's going on in the world? It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. That will open a big, huge door. <laughs> well, what do you think? How is that going to end up? What do you think um, there's life after death? That will open up. That will, uh, most of them, they're in despair. They don't know. They know there's something's wrong, and they are seeking answers and assurance. And we have that. Yes. And I think that's where American Christianity have failed. Uh, the, these people. And again, there's a difference between biblical Christianity and American Christianity. Amen, brother. We've got to take another break. We're with Elijah Abraham. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. And also, get into some of LifeWay research uh, about the habits of Christians that uh, we're not going in the right direction, friends. I'm going to ask Elijah for his input on Stand Up For The Truth next. 
Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is teacher, pastor, evangelist, Elijah Abraham. Um, we are now going to uh, jump into some current um, research on the American church. And Elijah, I'll have you just kind of do an intro to preface this on your thoughts, your basic bullet point thoughts on the problems with American Christianity, the American church, versus true biblical Christianity that we have gotten away from. No, before we do that, um, you have basically a, a lot of things that you share about the problems with what we're going yes. to what we're going to look at. We're going to see some of the fruit of American right. Christianity. We're, we're speaking this way in a negative light, see, right. saying that not America is not bad in and of itself, but Americans' version, an Americanized church, an Americanized Christianity, right. has been so watered down and weakened the true gospel, and it's right. not biblical Christianity, as you often point out. Well, um, like I said, I, I've been in the ministry now since 1997, uh, I was a mission pastor at an uh, American church for four, four years. Um, I've been uh, a missionary, full-time missionary with our own ministry since 2006. And I've been in 45 countries. I've seen uh, the good and the bad of ugly of churches. I've been at the poorest of the poor, out in the bush in the Africa. And I've been in mega churches um, So and everything in between. So I've seen it all. So when, when people ask me sometimes, okay, you've been, you have ex, been exposed to all of that, and I've been in 30 states, by the way, uh, speaking in churches, you've seen it all. What, what is your assessment of the church in America? I said, that's a dangerous question, but mm -hmm. before I answer you, don't, please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I am not here to convict the church. It's not my church. It's the Lord's church. It's his body. He'll deal with the ch his church. But here's my assessment, what I see from my experience. And, of course, uh, like my testimony, but also from our ministry. We have dual Christianity in America. And you've heard me say this a number of times. But for the new listeners, they really need to hear this. Yes. We have new uh, dual Christianity, two kinds of Christianities in America. The first one, which is majority of churches in America practice an American Christianity. And the minority, they're not even on the radar. I have to go through so many churches trying to find a biblical church. They are what do I call... They practice in biblical Christianity. Why do I call the majority practice in American Christianity? Because they allow the culture to influence the church instead of the church influencing the culture. Yes. As a result, instead of them taking the cue from God Almighty and the Lord Jesus and the scripture, they're taking the cue from the culture, from the politicians, from the media, from uh, the, uh, the congregation, instead of the, the elders and preachers lead the congregation with the scripture. So as a result, that became an incubator for a lot of heresies, a lot of false teachings, anywhere from uh, prosperity gospel, health and wealth gospel, uh, new age, Chrislam, uh, uh, seeker-sensitive movement, uh, emergent church, and you could add even more to that. But as also on top of that, that did not stay there. That stopped influencing some Bible colleges, again, some Bible colleges and some seminaries, mm. and it did not stay that and start influencing some mission agencies, not all, and as a result, start being exported overseas. And when I travel overseas, guess what I'm encountering? I'm encountering American 
Christianity heresies. And I have to correct that or demolish those arguments before I even open my material and teach my material that I'm teaching, supposed to teach these pastors. So it's been very disheartening uh, of what, what happened to the church in America. And, and the only thing I can attribute that, they never fought for their faith. They never pay the price to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. See, there yes. is a price to follow Christ. And Jesus was very clear about this. If you, you cannot read Matthew chapter 10 and tell me, no, American Christianity is the way. Because he made it clear cut. If you follow me, this is what will happen. If you confess me before men, I will confess him before my father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny before my fathers in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Why? Because, and he says, for a man will be against his son, son against father, daughter against mother, mother against daughter, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. For the man's enemy will be the members of his household. If you don't carry your cross and follow after me, you're not worthy of me. Wow. And you've seen that in your own family. if If you lost your life for my sake, you, if, you lo- if you find your life, you'll lose it. But if you lost your life for my sake, you'll find it. Mm. This is definitely against American Christianity. Yes. So when you have millions and millions of church goers, I'm not even going to say members or Christians because I don't know the hearts and I don't know what the result of their life. But church goers, you have millions of them, never heard the doctrine of suffering, never heard the doctrine of persecution according to the scripture. And never heard that to be a disciple of Christ, you pay a dear price. Of course, what do you expect? You expect people who love to sleep, who have been uh, taught sermonettes. It's not really even a sermon. Uh, there is no expository preaching. It's all self-motivation. It's all about self, self, self. So they elevated man and reduced Jesus. Uh, and that's what we have. And, you know, a lot of Christians really kind of complain sometimes about what's happening in America politically, socially, economically. I said, stop here, stop. What you are complaining about, you're complaining about darkness. Is that correct? They say, yeah, yeah, it's getting darker and darker. So wait a minute. Darkness is just darkness. It acts as its nature. The problem with the light is not penetrating. So what we are seeing in America is byproduct of American Christianity, apathy to the gospel, to present the gospel to American uh, people. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are. We are byproduct of the spiritual apathy of our nation. And uh, people ask me, do you think God is judging our nation? Yeah, I mean, what do you expect? What do you you see here in the streets and politicians out, uh, not just politicians, the whole culture out in the open celebrating their sin? Uh, with the with all the movies and the media and everything else celebrating homosexuality, LBGTQ, WXYZ uh, agendas, yes, all of these things, and they not just celebrating it; they are forcing it on you to accept it. And if you don't accept it, you hate monger, you're racist, you this, you that, and you got the high court of the land. Even a few years ago, if you remember, acknowledge, oh yeah, marriage, you know, uh, homosexual marriage is legal in America's constitution. Do you think God is going to sit idle and let America do this? And that's on top of the, what is it, 60, 65 million babies that we have murdered in our nation since Roe versus Wade? Yes. Do you really think a holy God will be okay with this? If God judged the 10 tribes, the northern kingdom, Israel, the apple of his eye, and judged them and made them disappear, use the, the Israeli uh, the, uh, enemies, Assyria, 
to do this. What makes you think God is going to be okay with what American uh, culture and the country doing? So we, we as mm. Christians, we need to beat in our chest and say, so woe to us and repent. Um, Elijah, but it has to start with the biblical church because the biblical church being silent way too long to hold the American church or American Christianity Amen. accountable. Amen. So Amen. That's we, where I'm at. We make that case uh, quite often here on this podcast. As you know, and you go out, you teach pastors and evangelists how to get back to the to the true Word of God. And I just want to say some of the fruit of what you're describing, George Barna has done research on American Christianity. Here are just some of the bullet points. Uh, fewer than half of all adults can name the four gospel accounts. Many Christians cannot identify two or three of the disciples. Sixty percent of Americans cannot name five of the Ten Commandments. Now, people have heard God helps those who help themselves, but 82% of Americans think that's a Bible verse. A couple more things. Lifeway research, Bible reading habits of, quote, church attendees. 19% read the Bible every day, only 19%. Uh, 26% a few times of a week. 22% at least once a month. So understanding how to hear the Word of God, read the Word of God, study the Word of God, that's vital. But these statistics and what you were talking about, Americanized Christianity, which is what we generally see, not always, but generally, that illustrates the disconnect between proclaiming the true Christ, a Christian identity and understanding Scripture, and the true biblical worldview. With three minutes left, uh, Elijah, your, just your closing thoughts on how can the average person, I know what pastors and church leaders need to do, they got to get back to the truth and boldly proclaim the unapologetic gospel and talk about what's happening in our culture along with Bible prophecy. But for the layperson, for the average Christian listening, what can we do Look in the light of some of these stats? First, uh, be serious about your faith. Life is short. Yes. Sooner or later, we all gonna die. Last time I checked, death have 100% success. <laughs> so, so we we need to pay attention that we're not gonna live forever. So the question is, when you die, you need to ask yourself a question. If you listen to me uh, on the radio right now, you need to ask yourself the question: If I die right now and stand before the Lord, let's assume you are born again. Uh, what's he gonna say? Is he going to say, well done, my faithful servant, you've been faithful, you persevered? Or is he going to say, I died for you naked in front of all of Jerusalem. You have not even opened your mouth to tell them about my salvation. So again, I don't know if that's how he's going to say, but it's just how I imagine myself standing before him. And this is what he would say. So you need to really be serious about your faith. If you, if you, if you think that your faith is going to carry you through uh, you know, these turbulent times, um, just by attending a church and then not even teaching the Bible and you're not even open the Bible, think again. Wow. Because you're going to fall apart the moment the economy goes down, the moment you cannot even buy the food or there is no gas to put in your car, the water is being cut off, the dollar is worthless. So what's going to carry you through? These are the questions you need to ask. This is serious stuff. This yes. is what... I've been in churches around the world who are heavily persecuted, and they are incredible warriors for the Lord. They're winning people to the Lord. Wow. They're planting churches in the midst of their own well-being, being persecuted, being beaten up, being put in prison. Mm. We are we are shameful 
people, human beings in America as Christians because we look at our brothers and sisters who are suffering for Christ and say, oh yeah, we'll pray for them. You will not even pray for them. But you're just comfortable here. Look, you might think, how dare you talk to me like this? You know what? I'm talking to myself as well. Because every now and then I catch myself living the American dream and I say, wait a minute, hang on a second. I want to thank the Lord that I am here. I want to thank the Lord what he blessed me with. I got to be a good steward and I have to tell people about the Lord Jesus. I have to remind myself that constantly. Hmm. So you need to be serious about your faith. You need to get in the word of God because don't rely on a preacher trying to educate you. The preacher failed you most likely. The elder failed you most likely. So the question is, if you are born again and you have a Bible, your best teacher is the Holy Spirit. You have an open line, a holy cell phone called prayer to the throne of God. Get in, your, in the word of God. Pray for God to open your heart and your mind and teach you his truth, his principles. And when you do, don't worry about what he's going to say to people when you, they encounter you. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say Amen. And, and how to approach them. You see, that's the thing. We rely so much on us when we witness. You know what? Take your hands off the wheel. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and open the doors and give you the words to say. And you'll be blown away about the things that comes out of your mouth because I know it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit in you. Amen. But you have to start somewhere. You have to repent. Say, you know what? I've been complacent, Christian. I've been sitting on the sideline way too long. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. Please use me. I want to be a soldier for you. I want to be a general for you. But that's not going to happen without you open the Bible and really know what he has to say in your life. Amen, brother. No guilt trips here, but we need to face the, face the truth <laughs> and face the facts. We must have a sense of urgency. Look around us. Look what's happening in the world, in our culture, and in the church. We've got to know the Word of God. We've got to fight. Elijah Abraham, it was so great to hear your story and what God is doing in your life. And I believe you are inspiring a lot of people, my friend. Keep fighting well, the good fight you. of faith. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for having me. And look forward to next time. We will do that soon. Father, uh, I was going to say Father. I'm looking at this um, uh, list here we have of uh, the guests coming up. It's extensive. We're going to get into that. Let us know or let you know who we have coming up on Stand Up for the Truth in just a minute. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. We are so excited, guys. Um, what a busy week we have again. And our website is back up. For those of you who are checking earlier, it was down. So we apologize for you not being able to access. But I'm looking at the calendar. We do have to update it. I'm so sorry. It is not up to date. However, um, tomorrow it's, we will hear from Elizabeth Johnston, the activist mommy. Um, Thursday, Mike Gendron. Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries. Friday, we will tackle news and events and culture and government and all that good stuff. And uh, next week, I actually don't have time to get into that because we're already over time. But thank you guys so much again. Um, as always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.